this morning is a special day. Uh, this is our Kingdom Builder Sunday, and we're talking about um, some projects uh, that we have coming up in the year 2023 that, that our board has decided we're, we're committing to as a church. Um, but I don't want to just talk about that this morning. I, I want to bring it back to our core values as a church. We have three core values. The first one is relationship with God. And, and we've been talking about that a lot in the, as we've gone through the book of Galatians, that, that it's not religion, it's relationship, that it's a direct connection with God, that, that we have relationship with him. And that's what, what makes our religion unique um, to every other religion in this world, that it's God's work in our lives rather than our work to please some deity out there. Um, but then the next one is community with each other, and that's uh, that we are a relational group of people, that we are the family of God, that we, are, that we come together as uh, the body of Christ to love one another, to care for one another, and, and that's a key part of our church. But then the last one is the mission to reach the world, and this is, this is direct instruction from Jesus himself. The last thing that, that he told his disciples as he was leaving this earth was the commission that he gave them. It was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Uh, in fact, it's recorded multiple times in scripture and the wording is different in, in all of those different um, locations. In fact, the one that we're going to read today from Acts chapter 1 reads a little bit differently than the way that Jesus said it in Matthew 28. You might think, well, that's a conflict in Scripture. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? Uh, but my guess is uh, that Jesus said this a lot to his disciples. And so the reason that there's different wording in each of these cases is because he said it multiple times and they remembered it different ways as at the different times that he said it. And each time was meant to emphasize something different. So what you read at Matthew 28 sounds a little bit different than what you read in Acts 1-8. But it's this idea that God has established his church here on this earth to make disciples of all nations. And it's his calling for us as a church. We're not here to exist, to pat ourselves on the back. If we just have relationship with God and community with each other, um, but we don't have a purpose here on this earth, then we're not fulfilling the commission that God has given to us. And I'm going to be sharing some statistics this morning. Uh, and you'll find, if you want to look more into this, there's an organization called Project 42. And you can look up their website if you want to. That's where I, where I got all this information this morning. But it's founded by an Assemblies of God minister and committed to reaching the unreached 42% of the world. Um, and so here are some, some statistics about the Great Commission. 70% of evangelical Christians are unaware that there are still people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So guess what? You're now in the 30%, okay? <laughs> you are not part of that 70% anymore. Um, there are a lot of people that have never heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, only 29% of Christians believe that reaching the unreached around the world is very urgent. And less than 10% of the emerging generation uh, says they've heard and remember what the Great Commission is all about. 
Now, if I have anything to say about it, you're going to be a minority in all of those statistics this morning unless you're taking a nap, okay? So wake up, <laughs> get ready, um, because you're going to hear about what Jesus has called us to do this morning. This is the Great Commission, uh, and it's, we're going to read in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8 this morning. Here's what it says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I believe that there are three parts to fulfilling this great commission. And God has called all believers to be a part of it. This isn't somebody that, that has a ministry gift for evangelism. Now, I believe that that is a thing. Right? And some people have, have a leaning or a, a bent towards evangelism, and, and I would probably be one of those people that that's something that I'm incredibly passionate about. But the Great Commission is something that Jesus gave to all his disciples. Do you think they all had the same ministry gifts? Do you think they all had the same personality? No, this is a calling um, to every believer, to every disciple. Now, what that looks like in your life might be different than what it looks like in somebody else's life, but we are all responsible for this mission that God has given to us. And so I want to break it down into three parts today, and, and um, those three things are where you are, where you're going, and where you're sending. And let's start with where you are. And I want us to understand something. One of the most powerful missions opportunities that you have are the people that are closest to you, both relationally and geographically. Now, it's hard to think of our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, and even the people in our community as a mission field. But it might be the most significant and important opportunity that you have to share the gospel because you already have trust established. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to, to share your faith and to share the, the gospel message with somebody that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, but the people in your life that you already know, that you already relate to, that you already have built trust with, that's your greatest opportunity to share the gospel message. You have an open door into their life. And, and so I want to give you some things that maybe you can put in your tool belt that will help you as you share your faith as you witness to your family and your friends and your neighbors and your community. Uh, here's the first one. You're called to be a witness, not a lawyer. Right? Acts 1.8 says, uh, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, is there a place for apologetics in the church? And apologetics is this idea of defending the faith, defending the truth of God's word. And I believe that, yes, there is a place for that, and that's an important thing. But it's not your job to convince your friends and family that they are wrong and you are right. And in fact, if you approach it with that mentality, you're probably not going to be very successful. right? It's the Holy Spirit that draws people to the Father. It's not your personality, it's not your giftings, it's not your clever words, it's not anything that you have to offer, it's his work that accomplishes it. His calling is to be faithful witnesses of the truth. So what does a witness do? They tell what they've seen, right? You share from your experience 
what God has done in your life, the truth of what he's shown you. And as you speak that truth, as, as you share that with your friends and family, it opens the door for the Holy Spirit to speak to them and to draw them to the Father. Your job is to tell them and to show them what Christ has done for you and let them discover what he can do for them. And here's the second thing. Don't expect it to happen naturally. Uh, now, most of us are actively looking to avoid difficult conversations, right? Anybody like that? Confrontation is not my thing. I don't want to deal with the, with the confrontational conversation. And so I'm going to avoid every topic that potentially could be controversial. I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm not going to talk about religion. I'm not going to talk about anything that might offend somebody. Because if I do, I might have to have a difficult conversation and then somebody's going to be mad at me and that would ruin my life. Right? Uh, now, that's kind of the way that I am by, by nature. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, right. Uh, I, I know I like to argue a little bit and I like to poke a little bit. But I like to do it in a fun way and in a lighthearted way. I don't like to have serious confrontational conversations. And most of us don't necessarily enjoy those conversations, although for some of us it maybe comes easier than others. But here's the truth. If you're waiting for the perfect opportunity to share about what Christ has done, you're probably going to be waiting for the rest of your life. There is no perfect opportunity. In fact, we have an enemy who is constantly working against you sharing your faith, right? He's going to do everything that he can to sabotage um, the mission that Christ has given each one of us. So I believe that there are going to be opportunities and places that we can talk about our faith and talk about what Christ has done in our life. There will be doors that open to meaningful conversations, but you have to look for those opportunities, Right? You have to actively seek out and anticipate those opportunities so that when they come, when that moment, when that door opens, you're ready and willing to share. That's what the Great Commission is. It's a mission. It's an assignment. It's something we need to pursue. All right, here's the third thing. Ask questions. Nobody likes to know it all, Right? If you are the only one talking, it's not a conversation, it's a lecture. And nobody wants to be lectured. Maybe the first conversation that you have is just you asking questions about what somebody else thinks or somebody else believes. And you don't even share what you think or what you believe. You know, that can open a door sometimes. You get people talking about what they think, about what they believe, and then ask them why they believe that. Um, it can maybe even... Get them down a path of questioning what they believe. That can open the door sometime. Uh, in January, every year, we do a week of prayer and fasting. And on Monday night, we have a prayer meeting that we've done for the past, I think this will be our eighth year doing this now, where we gather together and we pray for people in your lives, in the people that you know, the people that you care about that don't know Christ yet. And one of the things that we do that night is we write their name down on a piece of paper and somebody else will, will have that name and they'll pray with you for that friend, for that family member, for that person that you know that needs to come to know Christ. It's an active participation in the Great Commission. It's getting us thinking about that. And one of the things that I challenge 
people to do that night is not just to pray for them, but to look for an opportunity that you could be the one that would point them to the Savior that can change their life. That's the calling that God has given to us as the church, that we are to be witnesses to our friends, to our family, in our world. And and I love how the book of Acts phrases it because it gives us layers. It says in Jerusalem, which is the city that they were in, it was the home base of everything that had happened that God had been doing. This was a holy city. It was where the temple was. It was an important place. It was where the, the movement of the Holy Spirit began as the, as the disciples um, and the other followers of Christ received the Holy Spirit in the upper room. It was the, the sending out point for, for the church of Jesus Christ. Then it says into Judea, which was the surrounding region. And then into Samaria, which is also the surrounding region, but the place that nobody wanted to go because they didn't like the Samaritan people. And then to the ends of the earth. And so the first one is um, where you are. The second one is where you go. Who in here has been on a missions trip of some sort before? I know a bunch of you have. Um, It's been super popular lately to bash short-term missions trips. Uh, Maybe you've heard that before. Usually it sounds something like this. Why would you spend thousands of dollars to go somewhere for a week or two when you could just send that money to a local pastor or a long-term missionary instead? Now, maybe there's some validity to that argument, but honestly, I think they're completely missing the point. Okay, people who go give far more than people who don't. I'll, I'll tell you that from my personal experience. The people that I know that have been, uh, that have gone somewhere and seen what God is doing in another part of the world, something happens in their heart, right? They can't help it, and they become far more generous than somebody who stays at home. In fact, I would, I can't prove this, but I would venture to say the people that are, are making those claims and are complaining about that are doing so out of their own guilt and frustration because they feel uh, they aren't doing anything themselves either. You know, when I was in Tanzania a couple of years ago, we visited this church in, in the mountains. Their, their building <laughs> was a couple of sticks tied together with a tattered sheet hung up on one of the sides of these poles to block the sun. And they had little benches that had been made out of wood that our fat American butts nearly collapsed when we sat on. <laughs> And some rocks laid out in a row to mark where the stage was. This was their church building. Listen, I've never been more humbled in my life than in that moment. And we as pastors got together and we took a little offering to bless this pastor and his wife. We were so moved by their sacrifice. And let's just say that our kids got kind of crappy souvenirs from that trip because we didn't have much cash left. In that moment. Now, I know um, of many career missionaries who have dedicated their lives to missions because of a moment where God spoke to them on a short term missions trip. I can't prove this, but um, I think the people who are critical of short term missions aren't the ones that are giving, and they're not the ones that are going either. They're being critical out of their own insecurity or their own guilt. Here's the other thing don't underestimate what God can do through you in a week when you say yes. First missions trip that I went on was to El Salvador. We visited a place called Castillo del Rey. 
And we got there the first day. They taught us a bunch of skits and dances. They put us on a bus the next day, sent us into villages and into schools uh, with a local Salvadoran ministry team and, and leaders. And we would entertain the kids. We'd give away um, candy and balloons and soccer balls. And then one of the team leaders would give a salvation message. And that week, over 100 kids made a decision for Christ on that trip. And I asked one of our team leaders who, who spoke a little English, I'm like, how, how did you get involved in this ministry? Like, was this something that you found through your church? And she's like, listen, all of us, and there were, over, there were hundreds of these leaders that were part of this organization, all of us came from this program. We got saved as little children in this program. We're discipled by this ministry. And so I'm sitting here thinking, well, who knows if these kids will ever hear the name of Jesus again. I mean, maybe we did something good this week. No, they're following up with these kids. They're discipling these kids. And they're using us goofy white Americans like monkeys to bring them in. But they're doing the work of ministry. And so if we can be a part of that, we're, we're literally impacting hundreds of lives in one week. Right? So if you want to say that's no impact, fine. I look at that as an incredible impact, as an incredible blessing. And God used us that week, and he really changed our hearts as well. You know, there are times, too, where a short-term trip becomes a long-term partnership. And we have a couple in our church, Mark and Paula, who have gotten involved with a mission in Mexico, and they've been there I don't know how many times now you can tell us as you come, but I asked them to come and share a little bit about what God has done in their lives through, through this mission too. Um, kind of our journey started in 2019 when we had um, missions, uh, several missionaries that year come and speak. And um, the missionary from Mexico came and she was talking about just how they have this this orphanage and this free daycare and how the kids, the parents didn't have a way to pay for daycare for them. So they would literally like tie them up to the chair uh, so they could go to work or they would drug them so they would sleep all day. And I was just literally moved to tears. And I knew instantly that this is where we were going to go on a missions trip because we had been talking about it for a long time to lead our kids, you know, down on a missions trip. And so um, we ended up down there and it was culture shock. The first time we went was January 2020. And there was, it, it was, you know, very humbling, um, to say the least, um, to see how they lived, where they lived. Um, and we went down kind of with the attitude that, like, we're bringing them, we're blessing them. And on <laughs> kind of, that's kind of funny, actually, because you get blessed so much more. Um, just seeing their their gratitude and their generosity to others. And, um, you know, they will um, invite you into their homes, which for most of us, we would consider them unlivable. Um, might be a truck bed camper, might be a little shack made out of who knows what with a dirt floor. Um, and we would bring them, you know, a gift of $100 worth of food, which isn't a huge sacrifice for us. and it would provide three months worth of food for their family. And they were just so grateful. And out of that gratefulness, they become very generous. And so at Christmas time, we decided we were invited back to go back again um, to be house parents this time for the orphanage so their staff could go to a Christmas party. And um, 
they actually, we got to celebrate Christmas with them. So we got to, you know, bring down gifts um, of clothing that, that we brought with us for their wish lists. And then another local church actually brings down some um, toys and different things. But before they open their gifts, they actually take their toys and they bring them out into the community and give them to all the local kids who aren't going to be able to celebrate Christmas. And so um, just seeing them invite us into their home and their hearts, and it's become like a second home to us, really. We go down twice a year now. We actually just started this year leading missions trips down. So if any of you want to come, we would love to have you. Um, and just a personal testimony or experience that I had um, this last year at Christmas time when we brought down gifts. I ended up in the hospital there. Um, Mexican hospitals are not the same. Um, I ended up having to have emergency kidney stone surgery. And um, during that time, God broke off his lung. Do you see the fear I had of death, actually? And I just had so much peace. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, I should be afraid or, um, but I wasn't. And then I didn't really think a whole lot of it until um, I came back um, and recently had a biopsy. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, I don't have any fear. Like, God really did break that off of me. And um, it's been just such a crazy experience um, personally to, um, just go down there and um, just see God move in my own life and be blessed, like, beyond what I would ever expect, honestly. Yeah, I just want to say that um, there will always be reasons why you can't go and why you, you'll kind of talk yourself out of it, right? You'll come up with excuses and why you shouldn't go, you know, money, jobs, or whatnot, fear. Um, but once you go, everything changes, I'd say. Um, you can hear about people's living conditions, but then when you experience it yourself, it's, it's a totally different concept. Um, when you hear about a people group and then you meet individual people, those people touch your heart. These are people with stories uh, of their own hardships um, who live a lot harder lives than I would say most of us live. And you get to experience their heart and the love that they pour out. And that changes you. Um, I didn't have a desire to go. It was really kind of Paula's passion and bringing the kids down and whatnot. Um, but once, you, once I did go, um, I didn't want to leave. It, was, it felt like the week went by way too quick the first time. Um, couldn't wait to go back, which we've been you know, trying to be more active about. And uh, even started down a road of trying to learn their language and communicate better with the kids and whatnot. So... Yeah, it's definitely a life-changing experience. I'd encourage everyone to, to try to experience at least once in your life. Thanks. You know, I know uh, for Paula, you just love to be the center of attention and to be in front of everybody. Uh, I, I asked, and I mean, like, very quickly, they said, yes, like, w would you share about this? Yes, because it's something that they're so passionate about. And listen, can I tell you something? It is one of the least expensive missions trips that you'll ever, what does it cost generally? 
about $800. I mean, like, that's, that's nothing, right? A, a, a mission trip can often cost several thousand dollars so to go for $800 to be a part of it. Listen, there's no excuse. Like, just find a way to go, all right? Um, so where you are, where you go, the last one is where you send. Um, there are 7.7 billion people in our world today. Uh, now, that's... that's uh, a lot of people, right? And if you think about it, that 42% of those people are unreached or 41.7% of people. That's not like they're not a Christian. That's 42% have not heard the gospel message. I, I mean, think about that for a second. They don't even know that there's a savior who loves them. 3.23 billion people that are unreached. In fact, if you look at it through people groups, there are 17,443 different people groups on earth. 7,418 of them have never heard the gospel. Um, so an unreached people group is a group of people separated by culture, language, geography, or social class who lack a large enough community of Christians, typically less than 2%, to evangelize the rest of the people group without outside help. Now, um, this, this is the one that, that gets me. There, there are $700 billion each year in the United States given to Christian causes. $700 billion given to Christian causes. Now, that might seem like a lot of money if you were to take the entire church membership of the United States and add all their salaries together, we would talk, be talking about $43 trillion, okay? So that's honestly not even that much. That means that, that roughly 15% of the church is, is tithing. Um, but then $45 billion, 6.4% of that uh, was given for missions, which includes missions within the United States. Um, now, I want to I say a couple of different things about that as it relates to our church. Um, we bring that average up pretty significantly ourselves. Uh, this year, we're on pace to give between seventy-five dollars and $80,000 uh, to missions. That's about 31, 32% of our budget, and we've actually reduced the amount of missions that we've given this year as opposed to previous years. This is a church that believes in the Great Commission. This is a church that cares about people knowing the truth of the gospel. And I'm so proud to be a pastor of a church that has that heart. We're not here to... Um, build a kingdom for ourselves, to have a fancy building, to um, put on a show for everybody else. We want people to know the truth of the gospel. And we're invested in that process. Uh, our board has picked two projects this year for our, our kingdom builders projects for 2023. Uh, the first one 
Uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about these in the, in the next couple of weeks. We'll just give you the basic overview this week. But the first one is, is Priority One. This is an organization that we've worked with even before I started as pastor here. They build Bible schools, Bible training centers for pastors in uh, nations all over the world. Um, I've visited several of their sites in Tanzania. Um, we've helped with specific projects in, in that part of the world before and in Southeast Asia. Um, but there's also, they're in India, they're in Portugal, they're uh, in Europe. They're building all over the world right now. And the point of this is to train up pastors and leaders in their country so that they can be equipped to go and plant churches. And in Tanzania, in the last 10 years, They've seen over 10,000 churches planted as a result of this, uh, these Bible training centers. Uh, that's an incredible work of, of God. I mean, it's, it's incredible what even one dollar uh, buys in the kingdom of God as we invest in this, in this amazing organization. And so we're going to continue to partner with them. And then the second one is, is a uh, local missions investment, and that's for our camp at Lake Geneva. Now, being part of the Assemblies of God, we have a campground um, in Alexandria, Minnesota, uh, called Lake Geneva Bible Camp. And um, this is a place where we send our students and our kids to every year, um, where many of you maybe have gone to, to camp in the past or, or been a part of that. Um, they have family camp. They have a bunch of other uh, events as well. And um, they're getting to the point now where they don't have enough beds for students at kids' camp and youth camp. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy how God has used that camp in such a powerful way. Um, and I can tell you from personal experience talking to, to pastors and leaders in our state, many of them have been called into the ministry or, or gave their heart to Christ as a result of the ministry of this camp. And so um, this is part of our organization. It's part of our fellowship. It's part of who we are. It's an important tool that we're using um, to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're investing in that process. They're building a new facility there um, that would have over 300 beds for, for that students and kids can be a part of uh, at camp that they can host events year-round and, and um, help make the camp more sustainable as well in the winter to bring in additional revenue. Um, this is going to be a huge blessing and a huge ministry tool. And so uh, we had uh, our um, leaders, Pastor Mark Dean, who's our general superintendent, and Pastor Clarence St. John, who was our former superintendent, they came and met with our board and presented this, uh, this project. And, and so we have committed for the next few years um, to investing into this project. So we've set a goal as a church of $20,000 in 2023. Um, that might seem like a big number, but honestly, it's, it's not um, that much. Uh, but we want to we invest in the kingdom of God, and so this is, this is how we're going to do this. Now, um, uh, before I give you instructions on how to do that, I want to share a little bit um, from my own personal experience in uh, missions giving. I, I don't enjoy fundraising, okay? Uh, even, like, as a kid, when my baseball team had to sell candy bars, like, I dreaded that. I'm like, I don't want to go around and knock on people's doors and give them some chocolate that doesn't even taste that good and that they don't want. Um, <laughs> and when I signed up to be a pastor, I had no idea how much of my time would be devoted to talking about money. <laughs> I mean, no idea whatsoever. But here's the thing. 
I believe so deeply in the mission of the church that I've learned to love it. I've learned to love it. And I have never shared publicly what I personally do for missions before, but a mentor of mine, uh, Denny Curran, he told me that if you're going to ask people to give, they need to know that you're in it with them personally as well. And so I felt led this week to share this journey with you for the first time, not, not so that you'd be impressed by me. Um, it's not even that impressive, honestly, but, but to brag on the faithfulness of God. And when we moved out here, um, Laura was teaching full-time, and um, she stepped away from that career when we had kids at home. And uh, we've always been believers in tithing, and uh, we tithe on our entire income. Um, but we believe that missions giving is above and beyond the tithe, that it's something that's important as we believe in the mission of the church. And so um, at this point in our lives, we were making less money. We had a bigger house payment. And we had more costs than we ever had in our lives, but we still wanted to do something for missions. And so we started out that first year at $50 a month. And at times our budget was really tight, but we found some ways to make some extra cash. I started refereeing, and Laura started teaching online and uh, doing something called Teachers Pay Teachers, where she sells curriculum and resources that she's created online. And God has really blessed that part of our life. And we've increased our giving as a result. We've seen that over the years, God's faithfulness to us, and, and we wanted to honor the Lord in that way. Um, and so this year, uh, we decided to increase our, our pledge to $250 a month. And that's a lot for us. Um, but we've seen God's faithfulness in our lives. We believe in this mission. And, and you know what? <laughs> we, we decided that, and we, we haven't even started yet, because this is for next year. Um, and Laura's already talking to me this week. She's, we, we decided we're probably going to do more than that. And uh, so I don't even know exactly what that number is, but but we felt the Lord saying that wasn't even enough. And, and God has honored that in, in our finances, but more importantly, we've seen that in our family as well. Can I tell you my favorite part of seeing what God is doing this, this year, Kayla, our oldest, um, she's been in youth group for, for, two, for about a year and a half now, and she's taught the heart of her youth pastor. And, and in those two years, she's given almost $500 to speed the lights uh, over the last year and a half. Uh, so this morning we are taking pledges uh, for our Kingdom Builders projects, and this is a commitment for the year 2023. And so here's what I'm asking as your pastor, that you would either make a monthly or a weekly commitment to our missions program. Now, um, I want to answer the question, why monthly? I know for some of you, you might be thinking, well, I can just uh, write a check and commit X amount of dollars and give it now, and then I don't have to worry about it going forward. And that's, that's fine if that's what you want to do, but I'd rather that you made a commitment on a monthly basis, and here's why. It teaches us, as we give regularly, what it means to be consistent and to make it a habit. There's power in the discipline of giving. So... If you want to give a one-time gift, maybe you'd consider that in addition to a small monthly pledge. But something that's regular and consistent, that we're learning the discipline of giving regularly, that we're learning how to work that into our lives going forward. 
in our family, we still give to projects as the Lord leads us, and, uh, but we've established that monthly baseline. And you know what? It's amazing. We don't even consider that as part of our income anymore. It's just, it's, it's in, it's out, it's, it's given automatically, it's gone. It's, it's just like the tithe, it's God's money, and it's a privilege to give. And so when we made our, our first pledge of $50 a month, you know what? It helped me to think about, um, it costs about $50 to take our, our, my family out to lunch at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> now that's crazy, first of all. <laughs> like, I mean, it's expensive to, to eat out these days. Um, but we can do that one time less a month in order to um, send a pastor to school in Africa to get some Bible training or to make space for a teenager to go to camp and encounter Jesus. Uh, and now $250 a month, that, that was our car payment at one time. And uh, we decided that we're going to buy our vehicles with cash so we don't have a car payment. And, and now that money can be our missions commitment as a result. So I'll ask you the question, what sacrifice can you make so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can move forward? Let the Lord stretch you and, and challenge you and, and push you in this. And uh, here's what we're going to do. These cards are in the seat pockets in front of you. And I know that some of you would prefer to wait and think about it and pray about it and take your card home with you. Feel free to do that. But if you're ready today and you want to make a commitment, uh, this is a commitment for 2023. Okay, so this is for next year. This is our missions giving for next year. And, and you're making... A pledge, and, and the way that I view this, uh, as, as the Lord helps me, I'm going to be faithful in this commitment that I'm making. And, and that way, we're trusting in him in the process as well. Um, so we'll be giving you an opportunity over the next few weeks to fill out those cards. And like I said, we have a goal of, of $20,000 uh, for our church um, I do want to share that our leadership team has, has already made their commitments, and as a result, uh, we have $5,800 that has been committed by our leadership team already. So we're over a quarter of the way there, right? That's awesome. That's a great start in the process. And uh, let's just take a second and ask the Lord what he would have us do, and then we can be faithful and obedient as a result uh, in our giving this morning. Lord, we pray that you would just speak to us right now as your church. Um, Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would remind us of your sacrifice for us. And Lord, as, as we commit to giving this morning, Lord, we know that, that we do it understanding that you're our provider. That you're the reason why we want to give in the first place. That because of what you've given for us, we can share the truth of the gospel with the world. We can make a difference in our world. So Lord, I pray that as we open up our heart to you, that you would speak to us clearly in this moment. Lord, that you would reveal your heart to us. And that out of that generosity that you've shown us, out of that graciousness that you've shown us, Lord, we pray that, that you would move powerfully in our hearts. And Lord, that we would be obedient to what you're calling us to do. 
Your instruction to us is that each one should give as, as you've spoken to us, as, you have, uh, as they've chosen in their heart to give. And Lord, you told us also that you love a cheerful giver. So Lord, we don't give out of duty or obligation this morning. We don't give out of bitterness or out of a guilty feeling. We give because it's a privilege to invest in your kingdom. And so Lord, as as we do that today, remind us of your sacrifice and your grace and your love. And Lord, we pray that as a result of this money that's given, God, that we would get to experience, Lord, the joy of your salvation in our hearts and the privilege of being a part of the commission that you've given to us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.